Hey there, voice teacher. It is Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's super fun podcast, podcast number 49, is all about vocalization tools. What is a vocalization tool? It's any toy or prop or object that helps your students explore and discover their voices. There is absolutely no limit to the fun and crazy things we can use to help our students warm up their voice connect with their bodies, expand their range, fix vocal flaws, explore new sounds. And these activities are extremely effective. They do produce results. Most visualization tools are inexpensive. They can be found anywhere. And well, you probably have some of these in your teaching studio right now. Unless you are completely against having any fun with your singing students whatsoever, you are in the right place here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast, teaching strategies and resources for voice teachers working with young singers. Now here's your host, Nikki Loney. Hey, voice teachers. Thank you so much for joining me for another Full Voice Podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun and I'm really excited. I had a lot of fun doing the research for this podcast. And of course, as always, I've talked to so many of my colleagues. Um, but before I get started, I just want to, um, I just wanted to shout out to everybody and thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We have voice teachers from all over the world who are uh, listening and sending me wonderful emails. And I really do appreciate all your comments. And uh, I, it's just been an amazing ride. Uh, we are about to start our third season of the podcast, and uh, I've got so many guests, so many guests. I've already recorded quite a few um, podcasts that will be released this year, and I am just really grateful for this amazing community um, and for the teachers that uh, that uh, uh, talk to me and share their their passion for teaching. It's just been incredible. And next week. We celebrate our 50th podcast. 50. That's crazy. Anyhow, it is the middle of August at time of recording this. And in my neck of the woods, I always have to clarify that because I know this is not the same everywhere. But in my neck of the woods, we got a few more weeks of summer. And most teachers around here are gearing up for a new season of teaching. It's a bittersweet time. I am going to squeeze every last drop of the summer out of, of uh, my, my time with my family and, and some fun times, but I'm also really eager and excited to get started. So I've sent out my emails to my families, to my studios. Uh, for those of you who are new to the Full Voice Podcast, um, I am still in the trenches. Well, I will always be in the trenches. I love teaching. Um, I have uh, I have a busy studio. I work with kids as young as six. I have vocal uh, introductory vocal classes, which are so much fun. And I work with students of all ages. I have uh, students up to high school. And then I do have adults that I work with. And I love it. I love what I do. So I'm, I'm getting ready. I've sent out the emails. I'm getting emails back. People are excited to get started. And I'm planning out my year. And, uh, but I'm still going to get some sun and fun before uh, things uh, 
turn over to the school year. Um, now, this uh, podcast, all about vocalization duels, is a two-parter. There's just so much fun. And next week, like I said, we celebrate our 50th. It's going to be a fun. We're going to go back and revisit some of our previous guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, anyhow, moving into our topic today. I'm going to start by saying something bold. Well, maybe it's not bold. Maybe it's common knowledge. I don't know. Uh, but long gone are the days of only teaching your students by rote. Long gone are the days where we just plop our students beside the piano, make them stare out into the room, and sing by ear. And now I'm not saying that that's not an important skill, and I'm not saying that that shouldn't be part of a vocal lesson, but there are so many other things that we can do with our students that are far more effective, that engage them in ways that make such a difference. We know so much more about our students. We know so much more about different types of learners. Some of our kids are really kinesthetic. They need, they need, they're hands-on. They need to touch and feel and do. Some of our students, um, well, they, they have extra energy, they need to be busy. They need to be moving. They need to have a, a tool or a prop to help them focus. And we've talked about that before in other podcasts. Um, we also uh, we also know that, especially if for those of you who are working with kids, that um, in order to keep them focused, um, it's not as much about keeping them on task as it is giving them lots of different activities. So the younger the student that you're working on, working with, um, the, the shorter their attention span. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. It's just kids. And FYI, I have tons of adults that have very short attention spans, like really short attention spans. Um, anyhow... <laughs> <laughs> I love them. They're awesome. Um, so a lot of these activities can enhance and, and keep your students on task uh, as well as keeping them engaged. So super effective ways of engaging students. And I got a list of fun little things that a lot of teachers are already using. So I, I haven't made up anything new here. This, this isn't me being a genius. Sorry. Um, these are things that teachers are already doing. And shout out to you if you are one of those groundbreaking teachers that has got a, a, a toy box or a box of props that you'd love to use. Good for you. I hope that I can give you some more ideas and some more, um, uh, just some more fun to have with your kiddos. Now, the other thing I do want to encourage everybody, and uh, I always, I'm always surprised, I often hesitate with my older students introducing props or toys or kind of going away from the standard lesson model of singing warm-ups and then working on repertoire. But um, I, I'm always surprised because my adult students actually embrace these activities. Uh, a lot of my adult students um, have never been given the permission, the encouragement, the invitation, or the inspiration to uh, to explore in a playful way. And I think that a lot of the hesitation in their voices, a lot of their fears come from 
not being given that invitation to have some fun and 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 moving away from this is right and this is wrong. And I think that's one thing I know I struggle with. You know, we're all about correcting flaws. We hear someone sing and and I know that my brain immediately goes to what is wrong? What is going on and what information can I give them so they do it differently? And that mindset can get you into trouble. Because if we're constantly critiquing, and if we're constantly giving our students the fix, then it's not as much as we think we're saving time and we're getting right to the point, we we need to let them explore. Exploring the vocal, the voice um, is so important. And I believe some of my adults just really need some of that time. And it is so interesting. It's so interesting. Some of my some of my adult students will struggle in the beginning because they're used to a, a certain approach, but most of them really start to relax. They start to really listen, like they become present instead of uh, I call it time traveling. Instead of going into the past where something bad happened, they sang a bad note or they had a bad performance, or going into the future where they think they're going to sing a bad note or have a bad performance, they actually become in the moment and they're actually really truly listening to the sounds that they are making. And that's what exploration does. No corrections, just what happens if you do this? Or what do you think of that? Or how did that feel? Um, So even though um, a lot of these activities are geared for children, I do want to encourage you to explore some of these with your adult students. Some of your, your adult students are desperate for this type of work, this type of exercise. Um, exploring the voice with freedom um, is just something that I don't think we do enough. And that's certainly something that I, um, I try to do more and more. And I want to shout out to um, my yoga and meditation teacher, Steve. Now, Steve was a guest on the podcast way back in the beginning. I think it was podcast number eight. And he talked about uh, meditation and mindfulness in the teaching studio. Great podcast. If you want to check that out, Steve Farrell. Now, Steve is incredible. And I've actually hired him on uh, several occasions. And he's coming back again in the fall to work with my singers about staying present, about exploring, about listening in a way that is not about right and wrong. And it was an incredible workshop. I'm so excited that he's coming back. I love going to Steve's classes, his yoga classes, because he's always challenging us to get out of our comfort zones and to get out of autopilot, right? And if there's one thing that play-based learning and using different vocalization tools can do for you and your students is it gets you out of autopilot. You know when your student is singing that harmonic minor scale for the millionth time, are you really listening to them? Are you giving them instructions? Are you just correcting the pitches? Like we get into these routines with exercises that we like, they make us comfortable, um, but we're not listening anymore. And uh, we're, we're giving verbal instructions, just completely on autopilot. Uh, no matter what happens, it's like, that's great. Good job. 
(laughs) But Steve always challenges us to do things differently. So for those of you who are yoga friendly, so if we're in downward dog, Steve will often say things like, okay, well, if you usually do your downward dog and you hold it very still, try putting some movement in. What happens? What what feedback do you get from your body? And if you always put movement into your downward dog, what happens if you try stillness? What new sensations do you feel? This is a really great exercise because, again, we go into autopilot, we're not paying attention to our bodies, and we're not making changes. We're not producing any results. We're just going through the motion. So I know that was a long-winded little little rant there. Um, but I do want to get into, um, uh, um, I do want to get into the props and the methods and some fun ideas. So um, the first thing, and I've talked about these things before, but I'm bringing them up again, because uh, I, I, I just find them so, so effective. Um, so the first prop that I love in my teaching studio that I use each and every day is my uh, whiteboard. That's right. I have a ultimate music theory whiteboard and it's got the staff on it. It's got the piano keyboard on it, but I actually like to use the backside of it, which is just blank. And for those of you who um, haven't tried these, you must try them um, with students of all ages. Uh, I call them vocal expression lines. My students call them vocal roller coasters. But it's a very simple activity. And you don't need to tell your students this at all. But it's an introduction to reading music. Um, You take your whiteboard marker and you draw a simple curvy line. It goes up, it goes down, and it goes across the board. And then you demonstrate to the student and you say, okay, I'm going to sing this line. You use whatever vowel you want, you use whatever pitches you want, and you basically sing your line. So imagine, I know this is a podcast, <laughs> imagine I've drawn a curvy line across my whiteboard and I would do, ooh, and maybe I make it wiggly at the end and I would go, ooh. Now, your student will laugh. They will, their faces will light up and they will laugh. Now, once you have demonstrated to the student that, you know, they can do whatever they want, and I really encourage, the first time they might play it safe, but you allow them to sing the same line. And not only is this a fun activity for your kiddos, but this is also a great assessment tool. Again, you don't tell them, hey, kids, I'm assessing you right now. Don't do that. Um, but uh, th- when you when you're listening to them sing, you're going to see how comfortable they are. Um, your little extroverts, your little confident singers are going to go really, really high and really, really low. And they're not going to be worried about making a mistake and singing weirdness. Um, your shy students are probably going to play it safe. And that's okay. You can encourage them. Okay, well, what happens if you put the line down here and go way up here? You can really do some good work with this simple activity. And then, and this is so much fun, the kids love this, you ask them to draw you a line for you to sing. And of course, they're going to take that, they're going to take that, and they're going to go with it, right? Anytime we can empower our students and let them be the teacher is huge, absolutely huge, especially for your shy 
students. This gets them off of the hot seat and puts them in a position of power. And it can go a long way to helping them kind of loosen up and have some fun. So you give the marker to them, they draw this crazy line. And my recommendation is that you just go to town. You just have fun. Uh, Bonus points for the teacher that can make their students laugh. Uh, Double bonus points for the teacher that is willing to laugh at themselves. And this is probably one of the most effective warm-ups because you're singing through the range. Um, And again, like I said, great assessment tool gets to see where they're at, how they feel about their voices. Um, You can also explore musical concepts. Like I said, this is an introduction to reading music. So you can draw long curvy lines, but you can also do dashes and dots. Well, that would be staccato. Um, you, there's just no end to the activities you can do with the whiteboard. Now, I highly recommend, and I have three of these actually in my studio. This is, I love them so much, and it's just an amazing tool. Um, the Ultimate Music Theory whiteboards, you can get them. And the student whiteboards are my favorite. There is a big teacher whiteboard, but the student whiteboards fit beautifully on the music stand or on a desk or on your piano. Um, and they're they're just perfect. UltimateMusicTheory.com. That's my good friend, Glory St. Germain. Um, those are an incredible teaching tool. Now, on the front side of that board, of course, is your music staff. So uh, having your students write out uh, in the lesson, that's another tool that I actually highly recommend. I know a lot of us feel that, well, I'm the voice teacher and I'm working on sound and fixing sounds and working on songs. I get that. Uh, but a lot of our students, again, need to slow down and writing activities help them slow down. And we cannot avoid the concept theory concepts. We can't expect somebody else to pick those up. Uh, Even students that are taking piano lessons or maybe have had uh, like have a great music program at school, they're still learning basic music uh, reading and we can um, solidify that in our vocal lessons and it is important and it doesn't have to take up much time. So the front side of that whiteboard has the staff, it has the piano keyboards. That's a great tool and again don't be afraid to hand over the marker to your student. Let them draw the note, the treble clef. Uh, maybe if you're uh, using uh, introducing a new exercise, instead of just playing it by and, and letting them sing it by rote, write it out on the board for them and let them see it and then make them sing it. Again, our students, the majority of our students are visual learners. Visual learners need to see as much as possible for them to make those connections. So anything that we can do, and that a lot of these uh, vocalization tools are visualization tools. Oh, that's a mouthful. Um, so using the, using the uh, whiteboard uh, to write out the exercise or let the student write out the exercise. Um, I like to use the whiteboard when I'm introducing major and minor. So I'll write out the major triad and then we'll put the flat and oh my gosh, it's a minor triad. We'll look at the piano keyboard, what happens, and then we sing it. Again, it only takes a few minutes in your lesson. It's not sacrificing a ton of time great visualization tools. So the whiteboard, 
great visualization tool. Now, the other visualization tool that I have talked about uh, previously, that if you did the teacher webinar um, that was on our uh, website, and um, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast at time of publishing, our webinar is closing soon, so make sure you watch all those videos. But one of the favorite learning stations in my teaching studio is my tonic sofa wall, my solfege wall. So I have laminated um, tonic sofa solfege cards that are placed on a wall. And this is one of the uh, one of the learning stations that I utilize all the time. I try to encourage um, uh, uh, singing uh, without the support of the piano. In fact, that is one of the first things that I do with new students and with young students. I don't want them to hide behind the piano. I want them to make peace with their voice. And how you do that is by making them sing. And yes, they might sing quietly. That's okay. And yes, their pitches might be not as as fine and accurate as you would prefer. That is okay. It is completely okay that they're not um, singing the exact pitch that you want them to. Let them explore the voice, let them explore, and then you will start to see uh, a much quicker correction of relative pitch if you allow them to sing independently without the piano accompaniment. So my tonic sofa wall is a fun place. And we start just by, first of all, it's visual. So the, and I'm going to put pictures of all of these things on the podcast page. If you go to thefullvoice.com, go under inspiration, you'll find this podcast. All of these products, all of these tools, these toys, these props will be listed there with links so that if you're looking for any of these, you can find them really easily. So my tonic sofa wall is visual. The notes go up ascending and I play a ton of games there. And this is a beautiful warm up, by the way. Teachers are always asking, why well, I need some new warm-ups. What should I do to warm up? There are endless activities. And again, moving away from the piano is a great thing to do. So the tonic sofa wall, I also love to play a game called, I call it follow the hand, where I will establish do. I will establish the tonic note. We'll start by singing the entire scale up and down. And yes, I will help them with my voice, but not with the piano. And we kind of get settled and then we go back to do. The only rule is that you start on do. Always have to give them the tonic. And then I will point, and I only move in steps in the beginning, I will point to the notes on my tonic sofa wall. And this is, again, don't tell them this, but it is an introduction to reading music and sight singing. Crazy. Um, And it's also a fun game. This is what I love. These are fun games. So we play follow the hand. I let them be the teacher. And of course, they don't do it in steps. They jump all around. They make it really hard. I love that. Uh, And then we go back and forth. Then when they're confident, I can move into singing triads and doing uh, jumps, small interval jumps. And then when they get really confident, we go into bigger jumps. The octave jump is hilarious and fun. So the tonic sofa wall is a warm-up center as well as a learning center. And again, so many great activities. So there's a picture of my tonic sofa wall. And for those of you looking for the cards, 
uh, you can find them on our website, on our free resources page. They've been up there for quite some time, and I'm not taking them down. So you can print them up, laminate them, and use them. Now, for those of you who have a smaller teaching studio, maybe you don't have the space for that. I get that. Uh, you could use the back of a door. Um, I know that some teachers put them on the bulletin board or the whiteboard that's mounted on the wall. You can There's smaller cards that you can use. Um, the other tool that I love to use are flashcards on a desk with my students. You can do a wonderful warm-up with tonic sofa flashcards on a desk. And again, um, flashcards are a kinesthetic tool. See, kids get to touch them and move them and sing them. Really fun, fun activity. And again, it's warming up the voice. So um, the Tonic Solfa Solfege flashcards you can find on our website, whether you set them up on a wall, on a door, on a bulletin board. Um, I know teachers that uh, have to... Um, they don't have like a set room, so they have to cart all of their materials back and forth. You guys are my heroes. Like you guys have to pack up all that stuff. Um, my 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 new friend Jocelyn from Vancouver just did this amazing Facebook Live about her rolling teaching studio. And she talked about all the resources. And my goodness, this woman is organized. I have organization envy. Um, but a lot of teachers that have to carry their resources with them, um, some of them, what they will do is they'll, they'll like use a, a Bristol board that can be folded and then it can be opened up and placed in the teaching studio that they're working at. Great, uh, great little learning center, amazing activities, and so much fun. The next fun toy prop tool um, are uh, either foam, um, soft, soft balls, balls that fit in, th in the hand. So Nerf balls or foam balls. The key word here is soft. Yes, there are students in my teaching studio that I would love to take a very hard baseball and throw it at them. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, the keyword here is soft. The other thing you could use is a bean bag. Um, now, there's a lot of different ways that we can utilize um, a handheld uh, bean bag or ball. Um, the one thing that I like to do, um, if I have a student that has a lot of tension, and I have some students that have so much tension. Um, and this idea I actually um, uh, stole <laughs> from Aaron Lowe, the speech path at uh, the amazing speech pathologist at the Voice Clinic in Toronto. Um, he has a juggling ball, a beautiful leather juggling ball, and it's very heavy, it's weighted. And um, he's given that to clients and um, that are really struggling with a lot of tension. And as I guess as a distraction, essentially, he gets them to just gently toss the juggling ball between their hands as they are vocalizing. So now they can't get all up in their heads and stressed out. They actually have to focus on an activity that's happening in their hands. And I took that exercise, although I don't have a beautiful juggling ball, and I actually researched juggling balls. Okay. 
<laughs> so first of all, beautiful uh, juggling balls are not cheap. Um, there are some internet instructions to make your own juggling balls. And if I had all the time in the world, actually, I would probably like to do that. That would kind of be fun. Um, but, uh, but you need like a weighted ball. But I didn't have anything like this. So I was using a tennis ball. And, and I, same thing, I have a student that is just so, so stuck in their heads and overthinking and really, really tense. So I gave him this tennis ball and I just asked him to just gently toss it. Now, this was a really interesting exercise. And again, exploring, exploring, exploring. So first of all, my student uh, wasn't very coordinated, <laughs> which is fine. Okay. Um, and so the ball got dropped quite a bit. But what was interesting for me was to see in trying to catch the ball, trying to grab the ball, pick the ball up, how much tension was in his entire body. So it was a very interesting exercise. It allowed me to go, hmm, there's more going on here and I need to maybe do more stretches at the beginning of his lesson. So we played a game where he had to sing his exercise and he had to toss the, the tennis ball in, in between his hands. Then um, him and I, uh, I got up from the piano and then I, we would sing a very simple exercise and I would throw the ball gently, hmm, don't get any ideas at him. Again, there was a coordination thing and a tension in the body. Um, this is something that I've seen with a lot of my students. And uh, if just a just a caution, pre precautionary tale. Um, I was using bean bags with my vocal class. And we were singing, and as they sang the degree of the scale, they tossed the beanbag to the person beside them. This worked well for all but one of my students. I had one little one that was absolutely terrified of the beanbag. These are important things that we need to understand about our students, and they can shed a lot of light on what's going on in their worlds uh, and in their bodies. So um, we changed, we modified the exercise, uh, the activity, so the students had to throw it up in the air and catch it themselves instead of tossing it to the person next to them. And that actually worked really well. So again, when you're playing these games, modification may be necessary, and if the exercise isn't working, of course, change it up. Um, and if the exercise absolutely isn't working, or maybe the exercise or the activity is bringing more attention and more stress into them, then move on to something else. Um, use it as a diagnostic tool. It helps you to figure out where they're at. But move away. Move away. Let it go. Um, but don't be afraid to come back to it. You never know. Things change. So the beanbag or the weighted ball, um, I know that you can get, and I think this was Shannon Coates' Coates's tip. Um, she, got, she has some of these tactile balls that she uses. I think she said she got them at like a pet store. You just never know where you can find some fun tools. So um, the catch and toss and sing exercise uh, is really effective for uh, helping students uh, with focus or lack of focus. Um, so that is something that is just a great exercise. Now, I know a lot of you 
um, have yoga balls, the big stability balls in your teaching studio. I know this because I see lots of pictures. Um, I, uh, I have a, a big stability ball here in the office and I'm just going to put out a, 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 a caution. Um, there's always that kid or that student that's going to fall off of the yoga ball. And I'm saying that because it was me. I was sitting on my, I was sitting on my stability ball. I was working at my desk and I, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to use my core muscles while I was working on the computer. Sounds like a good idea. Anyhow, I was reaching behind to reach for a tool, a pencil, a ruler or something. And I fell off the ball and the ball rolled and I were rolled with it. And I ended up actually smacking the back of my hand. Like I had the hugest bump and a little bit of a cut because I hit the bookcase. Anyhow, so those stability balls are really great, but don't give it to that kid or that adult that is just not going to do well with them. But stability balls can be used again as a tool for fidgety kids that don't want to, don't want to, um, sit still. Um, They can be used uh, as a resistance tool so students can hold them and squeeze them. Uh, I know many teachers use them as stretching tools. uh, But again, those are those are fun tools uh, that can really help students get into their bodies um, and stretch and move in different ways. Again, be careful. Don't do what I did. Now, um, I want to move on to percussion instruments. Yes, percussion instruments. Again, I know some of you are out there thinking, I don't have time. I need to work on the voice. I am just a voice technician. Um, Music is rhythmic. And one of the things that many, too many of our students are struggling with is rhythm, is feeling the beat of the music. And that is a fundamental, elemental music skill. It is so important. So students that struggle with uh, working with an accompanist or students that struggle feeling the beat of the music... Oh, we can help them. We can help them. And this is an important part of a voice lesson, especially if you're working with young singers. But I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I often find myself doing this work with my adults because nobody has done this work with them and they are struggling with these skills. It is far more challenging for our adults, for sure. A lot of it has to do with their comfort levels. Um, kids are a little bit more courageous. They haven't, they haven't lived through the trauma that our adults have. I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing. Um, and uh, but I do this. I do percussion. I use percussion instruments, and I'm actually um, I'm so excited. I'm going to Longham McQuaid on Saturday. Longham McQuaid is uh, the Canadian, the wonderful stores, music stores, and they just have everything. They are just so cool, and the people at Longham McQuaid are just so much fun. I love my Longham McQuaid people. Um, but I'm going to invest in some new percussion instruments. I want to get a whole bunch of shakers. I have. Uh, a couple of shakers. My son broke a shaker. Do you know what's in the shakers? Hmm. Yeah. 
little tiny, tiny silicone beads, which are all over his closet. I, I cannot get them out. He wanted to know what was inside a shaker. So he opened, he cracked it open and it went everywhere. Anyhow, um, so I need a new shaker. But I, I am, the more the more uh, percussion instruments that uh, that you can involve in. Um, I love just I love just letting them letting them shake it. Just letting them shake it. Uh, try letting them shake the shaker and sing an exercise. Oh my goodness. Okay. And again, there's no right or wrong. Exploring. Um, one of the things that I love to do love to do with my uh, introductory vocal music class. So part of our warm up, and sometimes we do this sitting down, and sometimes we do this standing up, it depends on the kids. But I'll hand over rhythm sticks, uh, a shaker. Um, I have a, a little a tiny, well, it's a little hand drum. And um, we'll go around in a circle and we'll start by maybe some of the kids clap. Some of the kids use the rhythm sticks. Some of the kids use the shaker. Some of the kids use the drum, but we go and everybody has an opportunity to play a little rhythm. So I'll introduce the rhythm and then it's kind of like rhythm telephone. That's the game. That's what I call it. So I'll do a little rhythm. So I'm going to clap a little rhythm here. So very simple. And then the person beside me has to do it on their instrument. If they don't have an instrument, then they can use their, their body. So body percussion, that's a tool. Body, body percussion is a great tool. So clapping, stomping, um, tapping their hands. So we do this rhythm telephone. I clap the rhythm and then they clap the rhythm. And what's interesting is um, when we first started that activity, um, just like the, the game telephone where you whisper a sentence into somebody's ear and as you get to the end of it, the, the sentence is wrong. That was happening. So by the time I'd get to the last kid, the rhythm was not the rhythm that I gave them. And it was fine. We'd laugh. Ha 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 ha. And, but as we did this more and more, the kids got more accurate. Now, for those of you who are preparing students for your vocal examinations, whether it's Royal Conservatory or Conservatory Canada or um, in the country that you are in, um, the examination systems, part of the requirements often have either a clapback portion or a singback portion. So that exercise is brilliant. And again, it's a skill it takes some time. If you throw some percussion instruments in there, I guarantee you will have more fun. And uh, as a uh, seasoned background vocalist, I have to tell you a little story. Okay, so uh, uh, I was able, very fortunate through my college years, to pay, f I, I didn't have any school uh, debt. I didn't have any college loans or anything like that because I was able to perform while I was in college. And as a background vocalist, I had to play the tambourine, I had to play the shaker. And I was very fortunate because the drummer of the band, who was also a singer, basically took me inside and said, Nikki, you're really bad at this and you need some help. And he took me into, like he would, he taught me, he tutored me in percussion instruments and it was very difficult. Uh, but it definitely became an asset and I ended up getting more calls for more performance opportunities for more gigs because I could play percussion instruments confidently. So being able to feel 
the beat. And as again, I'm going to just add in there too, as a singer who has a jazz background, um, understanding rhythm and beat and groove and feel is essential. So we can introduce this stuff to our kids. Oh my goodness. We can help our students, even if they've been singing for decades, to really start to listen to music differently and appreciate the rhythmic aspects. So there's my little story. And FYI, I may have had a lot of experience playing tambourine and disco bands in the 80s. Anyhow, uh, don't judge me. So moving on. Um, so the other, the other little, um, the other little prop that I've started using, um, and again I was just kind of having some fun, uh, is a balloon. Yeah, a balloon. So, um, uh, what the what I do with the balloon is similar to the um, vocal expression lines. And uh, I, I, I have two observations with using a balloon I want to share with you, and I think they're really important. So with the balloon, what I do is um, I'll just gently tap it. I'm not going to kill it. Um, it's not volleyball. Uh, I'll tap the balloon, and the, the balloon will raise into the air, and then I'm going to follow the balloon with my voice. So I tap the balloon, and it goes up, ooh, and as it starts to come down, I go down with my voice, ooh. So that's a really good exercise. Again, you have to encourage the, the children or the child or the student to hit the, the balloon gently. Um, if they do hit it harder and it goes very high, they have to sing far higher. Um, anyhow, I've, I've done a couple of things. One, I've done this as a breathing exercise where they have to continue the sound <laughs> until the, the balloon drops. That actually was a lot of fun. Um, it got a little silly, but being silly with your vocal class is not a bad thing. Um, the other thing that it's really good is it's a great visualization for legato and, um, and, and just really observing. The other thing that I use this for, I use this for my students that have a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. Um, this is just a nice focus. It gets them out of their heads. They have to follow the balloon with their eyes and they're vocalizing at the same time and they have to pay attention to their breathing. And for my students that are stressed, anxious, I've also done this with an adult that just had a really awful day and she basically came to her lesson just beside herself just so emotionally upset and this exercise really again gets them out of their head they stop ruminating ruminating about things that are making them sad a really effective tool and I've done this with my um with my vocal class and like I said the kids can get a little silly but you you can you can uh, monitor them and, and guide them to use it more effectively of course but again dollar store balloons birthday balloons you probably got some at home it's a great little tool legato singing breath control uh, and a focusing tool that can get them out of their heads so balloons lots of fun 
Now, I want to shout out to my dear friend, Dana Lentini, who is also an incredible advocate for working with young singers. Uh, she's been featured on the podcast several times, actually. Um, she did a podcast about the Young Singing Lyrics, one of our most popular podcasts, as well as the live masterclass from Las Vegas. She had a wonderful, expressive little exercise on there. Love me, my Dana. Um, um, Dana has a lot of little visualization tools. She has an actual box in her teaching studio. One of the things that she loves to use are kazoos. So a little different from straw vocalization. I mean, you can use straws, but kazoos are way more fun. And if you go on to Amazon, and I've got a link to this, you can get a package of fun, bright, colorful kazoos uh, for very little money. Now, kazoos obviously are a semi-occluded exercise, delicious, as well as a way um, to rest the vocal folds if, if needed. Um, but Dana likes to use it as a way to focus on the melody without using words. <gasps> Genius. Sometimes when helping our singers with pitch, it's really helpful to make them do it with a kazoo. I think they have to work a little bit harder too. At least I find that when I'm using a kazoo, I have to like really think about the pitches. <laughs> so kazoos are inexpensive. And yes, you do have to clean them. <laughs> Teacher tip, uh, soap and water and let them dry on a towel. You don't want to reuse those, especially not in the winter when everybody has a cold. Um, so a little bit of maintenance there on the kazoos, but they can be a lot of fun. And again, lots of different vocalizations. You can you can scoop up with a kazoo and you can slide down and you can do staccato, legato with kazoos. Really great, fun tool. Now, the other little uh, voc vocalization and visualization tool that I have been using with some of my young singers um, has been utilizing their stuffies, their stuffed animals. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with stuffed animals. Um, uh, my son has far too many. I occasionally pack them up and drop some of them off at the Goodwill. Don't judge me. Um, we have a small house. I hate clutter. Uh, he doesn't miss them. And anyhow, um, but some of our students, and I noticed this with, uh, with my vocal class, my introductory vocal class. So my introductory vocal class had a lot of anxious little girls in it, really shy girls that had separation anxiety. Um, one of my sweet little singers literally came to each class hanging off of her mom's leg, her mom's so cool. Her mom would peel her off of her leg and leave her in the class. Um, but but a lot of our young singers use stuffed animals. And um, these, okay, and just so we know, um, stuffed animals are transition objects for separation anxiety. That's what they are for. More and more classrooms, especially in kindergarten, uh, junior kindergarten, kindergarten, are allowing children to bring their stuffed animals into the classroom, are allowing these support objects. They realize psychologically that they, they are transition tools. And um, children often communicate through them. And I noticed that a lot with my young singers. Um, sometimes my young singers, if we were doing a clapping exercise, they would want to make their, their stuffies do the clapping. Um, sometimes they would hold their stuffies up and make the stuffies do the singing. And um, I allowed that 
In fact, I encouraged the kids if they wanted to bring their stuffed animals in, um, they could be part of the class. And that was huge for some of my singers. Now, um, sometimes it can become a big distraction. So you have to monitor this. So I would allow the stuffies to participate <laughs> for a little while, but then I asked the kids if the stuffies could then become part of our audience. And they were most happy to put them up on my table and let them watch. And um, this, this, is, uh, this is really important. Um, we, we want... We want our, our, our kids to feel safe. Um, and I, I want to share something with you. Um, because there were so many kids in my class last year that ha were very shy, um, some of them were not participating in class at school. They weren't speaking up. They weren't, weren't putting their hand up. And um, one of the moms uh, who noticed a huge difference, so she said after four weeks of being in the vocal class, her daughter started to participate and was more vocal in her classroom. And the teacher actually reached out to the mom and said, I don't know what you're doing, but keep it up. So that's that's huge. I'm so thrilled that that was the result. And um uh, but I think part of it comes from the fact that they had their support animals, that they were given a safe space. And the mom did send me a beautiful thank you card. Uh, and and I, I want to put this out there. Um, she said, you know, there's not a lot of activities for kids that are shy, for kids that have anxiety. And I had never really thought about that before. And again, teachers out there that are starting your introductory vocal classes, you are doing amazing work and you're giving a safe place for young singers, for young children to discover their voices because it's not going to happen in a big, loud classroom. We have the ability with small groups to really nurture the voices and we are doing good work. So the stuffed animals being in the room, as much as I'm not a huge fan of them, we use them as a tool. Now, the other way that I have used stuffed animals as tools is in helping my singers find their head voices, their higher notes. Many shy students, it's been my experience, are not comfortable getting up and using and singing those high notes. Part of it is because it requires a lot more energy, a lot more breath. It also requires more volume. And for shy kids, they don't want to use more volume. They, they keep their voices low. They have a tendency to whisper a lot, which as you know, is not the greatest thing for the vocal folds. So... I used owls, so I had one really shy little one who was really struggling to get into the higher sounds. So I asked her mom if uh, if she could come in for a private little fun, and I have pictures of this on the website too, so if you want to check out what I did. And I asked her, <laughs> I asked her to bring in her owl stuffy, and uh, she brought in like 10 owl stuffies and a Canadian goose fine. But we ended up using the stuffies. So I asked her, okay, which stuffies, because she had small owls and she had big owls, which of the owls would be able to fly higher? So she chose the big owls. And um, so I said, okay, well, this owl, if it can fly this high, it can hoot like this. So we used hooting sounds, animal sounds. I've also done this with cats, meowing, cat sounds, whining, whimpering like a dog are 
amazing activities to help our kids explore their voices, especially kids that are uncomfortable going into the higher ranges. So uh, we would line up the owls and then the first owl would only go, you know, maybe a third and then maybe a fifth, but then the big owl would go up the octave. And it was pretty cool because by the end of the 45 minutes, she was completely and comfortably using her head voice. Now, it wasn't consistent. And when she went back to the vocal class, she still preferred to sing an octave lower than the rest of the kids. But all I had to say to her was, hey, we need to hoot like our owl, and up she would go. Uh, I I want to encourage teachers, we get so worked up about pitch, don't we? We really do get, oh no, they don't sing in pitch. I got to fix this right away. Um, We don't have to fix it right away. We can encourage them to explore, make them comfortable and give them a safe space and they will find those notes. So don't look at those as, um, I'm going to use the word problem students. I mean, challenges, yes, but again, they are the students that truly need the voice professional's help and don't, uh, don't feel, um, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is, is we have to kind of put our egos aside, right? Um, sometimes we, we look at students that struggle with pitch as, as a poor representation of our teaching studio. And I really want to encourage you not to feel that way. Um, those are the singers that need our help. Those are the singers that are going to take longer to improve. And that is okay. Everybody learns and grows and develops at a different level. And if you can give them a beautiful, wonderful, fun, inspired, safe space to do it, you are a hero and you're doing good work. All right, I'm moving on. The last little um, fun uh, vocalization tool and... um, I know a lot of teachers are using these and I've seen some videos and I think it's brand it's I just think it's brilliant is soft flowy scarves floaty fabric that same kind of same kind of premise as the balloon except with the scarf you can hold it in your hand and lift it up and float it down and then vocalize as the scarf is moving and you can move the scarf low towards the ground and you can raise the arm up it's also a wonderful way to move the body to, to stretch the arm up, let the scar fall down, bring the arm down. It's like a yoga stretch class with a scarf and singing at the same time. Wonderful way to warm up the voice, wonderful way to explore higher pitches, a visual tool because it floats. So again, you could discuss legato singing, connected, supported singing. There's so many ways you can engage with a simple piece of fabric, a floaty piece of fabric. So I'm sure you have, come on, you're a singing teacher. I'm sure you have a floaty scarf that you wrap around your neck. So if you've got some of those at home, try bringing them in. It does, I do recommend like a a very soft silk scarf, the one that, well, not an expensive one, but one that floats beautifully. So I'm going to wrap up there. 
(laughs) There are some very simple visualization and vocalization tools that you can incorporate into your lesson studio. I hope you've taken away some ideas. Like I said, on our podcast page, you will find pictures and links. And yes, if you want to see the PDF for making your own juggling ball, I'll put that up there too. Uh, If you are... Um, if you have any questions, of course, you can always reach out. Uh, my email is Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, at thefullvoice.com. I'm always happy to answer your questions. Now, I have a quick call to action. If you are enjoying the Full Voice podcast, would you do one of the three following things? One, go to iTunes and leave a review. Reviews help us to reach a bigger audience and they help us to keep the podcast going. Two, go to our our website, thefullvoice.com, and under the podcast page, you can leave comments. I'd love to hear what you thought about the podcast. And three, Tell your friends about the Full Voice Podcast. We have an incredible season coming up with amazing teachers, educators, people who are really doing some incredible work, and it's going to be so much fun. As always, I am wishing you inspired and happy singing. Thank you for listening to the Full Voice Podcast. For more information and teacher resources, please visit our website at thefullvoice.com. Made my canoe music. Canoemusic.ca. Fun. Now, um, the next uh, little prop game tool. Uh, I love um, balls. Oh my gosh. Should I leave that in there or should I edit that out? Hmm. I'm going to think about that one.